Uh, those of you who uh, only spend time in this room on Sunday morning, when you see the speaker for this morning, you'll think, oh, he must be new to the church because I never see him in here on Sunday morning. Uh, but he's not new to the church. He's been here a long time, John Colpitz, uh, with Erica and their children. And, but John is almost always out there somewhere uh, with our children, with our youth, uh, pulling things together, orchestrating things. If you were here earlier in September, you'll remember that we've been trying to outline who's on staff, what they're doing, what they're involved in. And so over a number of weeks in September, we listed the various things that people were doing. And one of the things we're moving into with the three of us who are on the pastoral team, Kim, Perot, myself, and John, is trying to have areas of responsibility that we feel like are needed in the church rather than just having traditional titles for things, but actual areas of the church where there's a need for some leadership. And so uh, Kim's responsibility, as well as being lead pastor, is to uh, really try to pay attention to the spiritual vitality and health of individuals and the congregation. And my responsibility is largely in teaching and also to help us focus on where we're going, not just where we've been, uh, but where we're going. And then John's responsibility is to try to pull together uh, the various threads a little better. One of the things that we decided back a number of months ago was that CAP has a lot of good things going on but they're not pulled together very well. Uh, that's probably one of our weaknesses. And so in some churches, they call this person an executive pastor, which is kind of like an administrative role, organizational role. Uh, some places call it a systems person, uh, where you're trying to keep the system going. And the word that we kind of settled on was the word integration, uh, which is a way of taking various pieces together and trying to integrate them. And so you've got one person on the pastoral staff looking after spiritual vitality, another person's major responsibility being in teaching and preaching, and the other person's responsibility in trying to pull things together. So what this looks like exactly is not clear yet. Uh, it's kind of unfolding, even for the three of us and for the rest of the people on staff. But I think we're excited that we're not trying to just have a, a very standard, here's the titles that you see in most other churches, but there are things that need to be done and people need to be leading in these areas. And so John, as well as his responsibility in youth and in trying to orchestrate that whole part of the church, is trying to help us pay attention to how we integrate various aspects of church life together. And so in the next four weeks, John is going to lead us in various ways, not with the traditional methods we always use in this time, but in various ways, John's going to lead us in a series entitled More Life, Less Religion. Uh, which is a title, I think, that is a very appropriate one for this culture. Uh, I think people are tired of religion, and those of us who are over 50, uh, there's a lot of us in this room over 50, we do need to recognize that the religion we grew up on and the church we grew up on is not a church that is applicable in this generation anymore. And so that's hard for some of us over 50 because we remember the good old days when it was this way and it ain't that way anymore and most people don't want that way anymore. And so it's a bit destabilizing for some of us who are a little bit older that church is not the way it was. But a title, more life, less religion, is not just something that's culturally applicable, but it seems to me addresses all of our needs as a church at CAP as well as us individually. Uh, religion and religiosity and formal institutional church life is not really 
where our passion needs to be, our passion needs to be, do we have life 168 hours a week, not just do we look good for an hour and a half on Sunday morning in a building. And so John's going to lead us in the next four weeks uh, on more life, less religion. And so I'm going to pray for John and ask him to come up as he leads us. So, Father, I do thank you for the gifts and uh, abilities and strengths that you've given to John, and I do thank you for not just the expression of those gifts, but his willingness to steward them uh, with humility. And so I pray for him, not just today, but in this next month as he leads us, that you'll give him courage and boldness, that you'll give him wisdom and discernment, and that you'll give all of us, whether we're under 50 or over 50, an ability and a willingness to listen, not just to his words, but the words that you're saying through him. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Can you hear me? Excellent. So thank you, Rod. That was a wonderful introduction. I appreciate that. Um, I'm excited to speak to you today, and I'm excited for this for this series and how it will unfold. It's uh, it very much uh, I want it to very much be a communal experience. So I hope that you can bring your your whole selves to this with with me and with us. Um, when I arrived at CAP almost 10 years ago, I was given pretty quickly uh, a document called the Elders' Outcomes, and I was curious what that meant. And I as I read through it, it, uh, it turned out to be a list of statements that the elders had discerned. I think at a retreat. Uh, things that they envisioned or goals for people who came to CAP. What, what would happen if they were here for a time? Uh, and it was for kids, for youth, and for adults. Um, and as soon as I read that, I, I knew that Erica and I had made a really wise decision in choosing CAP to be our community, to be where we served and made friendships and raised our soon-to-be-born children. Uh, so here are a few of my favorite ones under the heading outcomes for CAP kids. That they would see God in the world that they would experience that faith is about relationship, not rules. That they would experience an intergenerational connectedness to the rest of the community. That they would experience that community is life, that involvement in community is for life, and that we hope this will be their community for life. Beautiful. So this January series was envisioned a number of different ways before it came to this point, uh, with me standing here. Uh, but a couple things have been clear for some time. First, that we, we wanted to grow in our um, experience of connectedness and understanding across generations. So really excited to have all the youth in with us for this whole series. Uh, the second thing that was clear was that Kim and Rod and I wanted to begin to articulate uh, some of the content of the discussions we've been having uh, as a pastoral team and with the elders about who we are and, and what we're about at CAP. So I uh, as that process has unfolded, I'm, I'm deeply encouraged that the, uh, the content of those conversations is very much in step with all that I loved about CAP when I, when I first arrived. Um, even while uh, there's so much room and so much development of what the Spirit is freshly doing and leading us in now, today. So if I were to sum up uh, CAP Church in one word, the ethos of CAP, uh, it would be that word life. Um, so we believe here in a life-affirming God, a three-in-one God whose own being is communal life, Father, Son, and Spirit, in this loving relationship. Uh, we believe that our faith encompasses all of life, every sphere, and that ministry happens wherever we go on whichever day of the week, 
not simply at church on Sundays, as Rod was pointing to. Uh, We are a community that's more about relationships and less about rules. We are more about life and less about religion. So let me say a few things about how we hope to experience this month together and this morning. So my aim is to speak to you for about 10 minutes uh, and then followed by a 10-minute time for reflection, which will look like uh, your choice. You get to be free to choose how you want to experience this reflection time. So you can stay in your seat, you can move, you can, you can quietly pray or process or think, uh, meditate on something, or you can get up, have some coffee, talk with people. Some of you process and reflect better with others, and that's great. Um, so you can do that, have a conversation. There'll be a few questions on the screen to guide your reflection, whether you're on your own or with others. Uh, and then when we come back together after that 10 minutes, we'll have some time to share, uh, for each of you to share, um, if you would like, a thought or reflection on what we've, what we've experienced today. Maybe from your conversations or from your time uh, thinking and praying yourself. So uh, in talking about uh, life this month, I wanted to ground our conversations in uh, what I see as four core realities of living as a human being in our culture today. So two of them are deeply held cultural values, freedom and dignity. If you don't believe me that these are deeply held values, try to take them away from somebody that you know and see what happens. Uh, the other two are uh, fears and desires. And I see them as being at the center of what makes us tick. Uh, they form the layer underneath our behaviors. They're what shape our character and our habits and our personalities and many of our experiences. Um, I know some of you are really into the Enneagram, a sort of ancient um, personality framework that's become popular again. Uh, And what I found helpful about that is that it does really give language to the core motivations and desires and the core fears that we we live with and kind of help make us who we are. Um. So our experience of these four realities of freedom and fear, dignity and desire, Uh, are very much shaped by how we view God and how we understand his character. So let me say a little more about the series title, More Life, Less Religion. Uh, I don't know if religion is in fact a beautiful word for you or a dirty word. That will likely be shaped by not just your generation, but by your own unique life experiences. I can remember uh, being asked as as a university student, as a young adult, if I was religious. I had that question asked me a number of times. Uh, and I remember just wanting to scream, no, like right away, just get that out there. I don't want you to think for a second I'm religious because for me in, in that time, in my generation, that, that had some, some uh, undesirable connotations f- for me. So perhaps some of you identify with that experience. Uh, I was so happy when someone uh, shared the quote with me that, uh, or the saying that Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. And I was like, oh, that's good. I'm going to use that from now on. Uh, but I found that even when I did use that, uh, it was usually met with a kind of a confused look and a change of subject, so it didn't really work so well. Um, uh, and I hope we can move beyond that as well, although there is truth in it. So maybe you have a different experience, perhaps by religion. What you mean is a, a trusting personal devotion to the person of Jesus Christ. And if that's the case, well then, religion. on. Go for it. Good on ya. Uh, Unfortunately, however, religion often functions as a substitute for genuine faith. Uh, It perhaps even uh, becomes a system for gaining power or money, uh, or for gaining divine favor, uh, or for gaining access to heavenly rewards. Um, 
there's a pastor named Bruxy Cavey, uh, I think Rod knows quite well, he's in Toronto, and he's written a number of good books, including uh, a book called The End of Religion. I listened to a podcast that he was speaking about this subject, and he, uh, he had this quote, I'll read for you. Religion is redundant because if Jesus really is God, we no longer need a system to get us to God. God has come to us. The directional flow is reversed. It's not just that Jesus is a different way to God, it's that God has come to us. There's no need for a religious system to get me from here to there because there has come to here. There's no need for a religious system to get me from here to there because there has come here. So often religion is focused on prescribing a certain uh, way to live or behave uh, or not behave, but as this quote explains, uh, the Christian faith is really about presence. It's about God coming to be with us, to be our Emmanuel that we celebrated at Christmas time, God with us. It's not a list of shoulds, it's a sharing of love. And our faith is a free response to God's free gift. So let's talk a little bit more about freedom. Uh, it took everything in me to resist the temptation to show you a Braveheart clip of William Wallace, this famous, uh, I know it would have made Brian happy. Um, to, to, uh, he has this, this great line where he says, that, you know, they may, take our, uh, they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. And he inspires the army. Uh, it's a great scene. Um, I did watch it just to get in the headspace for, for today. Um, so, what is freedom, though? Uh, I asked my eight-year-old daughter that question this week. She was the one uh, I saw when she came for communion. She was expressing her freedom by wearing her name tag on her forehead. That was interesting. Um, but anyway, I asked her, uh, Ella, what, what is freedom? And she said, uh, I don't know, Daddy. And, and I was just going to move on, but I, I decided to persist. I said, okay, let me try it another way. Um, uh, what, what does it mean to you to be free? And then she had a clear response. She said, ah, to be able to do what I want to do. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, if she were to be given that kind of freedom right now, though, I can imagine it would involve a lot of chocolate, uh, a lot of screen time, uh, and actually, pleasantly, right now, a lot of snuggles with me. So that, that would be a good thing. Um, but as a child, uh, pretty much her entire conception of what freedom is is getting to do what she wants or have what she wants. Um, as a, her parent, uh, I care more for her about a different kind of freedom. It's the freedom that she has to decide who she wants to be. Not just what she wants to do, but who she wants to be. It's sort of the, the, the underneath layer. It's why she wants chocolate or screen time or snuggles. It's, it's her longing for, for happiness, for connection. It's all those things, uh, even if she's not conscious of them herself. And then even as teenagers uh, and as adults, um, we often are so focused on what we want, uh, we don't spend a lot of time thinking about who we want to be and what we want our lives to be about. Things like uh, what we want to want even. Uh, what do I want to seek after and spend my energies on? What hobbies do I want to explore? What is important to me? What kind of friend or husband do I want to be? Uh, what kind of character do I want to develop? There's a myth in our modern culture that if we have these first two types of freedom, freedom to do what we want and to be who we want to be, uh, then we will be happy and fulfilled. But here's a question for you. Have you ever done something you wanted to do uh, but later regretted it? 
Is anybody else thinking, yeah, daily? Yeah, pretty much, me too. Uh, how about, uh, I think we've all probably also sort of wanted to pursue a path for ourselves and be something that we later realized wasn't such a good fit. So um, as I was thinking about that, I thought, I thought about this time uh, some years ago where I decided I wanted to be a, a, you know, a serious swimmer. It would be good exercise and it would be a good, good thing to, to do. So I went and bought the, the, the full-on gym pass or the uh, rec center pass, got myself some fancy goggles and a fashionable Speedo, Okay, no, not the speedo part. You're welcome. Um, but I did. I went to the pool, and after only about two or three weeks, I had realized that, oh, I actually don't want to be a serious swimmer. Uh, but the hot tub's really nice, so maybe I'll be a professional hot tubber. Uh, meanwhile, Erica, I could see her. Uh, it was the West Van Rec Center. I could see her up in the gym working really hard while I lounged in the hot tub. She wasn't impressed. Um, but sometimes who, who we think we want to be isn't, isn't actually... Um, accurate isn't really the best for us. So uh, the freedom to do what we want and the freedom to decide who we want to be share one major thing in common, that's us. Uh, and clearly we can't be trusted with that kind of freedom all by ourselves. If you have any doubt about this, just, just read that section of the Bible between Genesis and Revelation. That's quite helpful. So uh, in this psalm that we're going to end with today, uh, the writer says, don't put your confidence in powerful people. There is no help for you there. Other translations say, in place of powerful people, they say princes or leaders, things like that. So it's basically saying, don't put your, don't put your confidence in, in presidents and CEOs and pastors and politicians. There's no help for you there. The good news is that we've listened well to that psalm, uh, or we've come to that on our own. We've, we lost confidence in presidents and CEOs and pastors and politicians a long time ago, uh, often for good reason. The bad news is that we miss the message of the rest of the psalm, what it's really saying, which is to put our trust in God instead. So rather than God, our generation has actually, and by our generation I actually mean all of us living at this time uh, in some ways, uh, we have chosen to put our confidence in ourselves and what is inside of us. So not, not tethered to anything else, not limited by anything else. Um, and there's some understandable reasons why we've gone that way, um, historically, philosophically, in our own experiences, and we're going to explore a bit more of that next week. Um, but because we've done that and, and located everything within ourselves, we've largely closed ourselves off to a third type of freedom. So beyond doing what we want to do and deciding who we want to be, there's a freedom to will what is good and best. So in our ignorance and shame, in our um, compulsions and our, our addictions and all of those things, we, we rarely actually know or do what is good and best for us and for others. So this third kind of freedom that I'm uh, talking about is, it can rightly be called true Christian freedom. Uh, its source is not in us, its source is outside of us, and it is hopelessly beyond our religious grasp. It is a gift of pure grace poured into our hearts and formed in us by the Holy Spirit. In this state of freedom given by the Spirit, we discover ourselves as we truly are, as God's beloved children and image bearers. When we find ourselves in this freedom, our hearts begin to break with the things that break the heart of God. Our dreams become 
caught up in God's dream and we begin to look more and more like Jesus. In fact, uh, this freedom is what Jesus modeled for us when he was in agony in the Garden of Gethsemane and he prayed, not my will but yours be done. So my prayer is that that would be our daily prayer. Lord, not my will but yours be done. And that we would know true freedom as we welcome the loving and faithful presence of the only one worthy of our trust and confidence. So let me just pray for us before we transition to some time of reflection. And bow your heads with me, thanks. Lord, help us to uh, not just talk about but experience your freedom this morning. I thank you for all that you're doing in our lives and the way that you've brought us to this moment and I pray that we would be able to be present with you, with ourselves and with others uh, in this time. That we would feel free uh, and confident to be our true selves, to be who we are, to not be worried about the shoulds, um, to just share in your love and in the love of this community. So uh, be with us now. Thank you, God, for your presence. Amen. All right. So uh, we have some questions on the screen, which you can use or not use, but they're there to help you. And so for the next 10 minutes, um, Clayton's going to put some music on, and we're going to just be. You can, you can move around. You can stay where you are. You can get some coffee and, and talk to people. Ask them one of these questions. Um, if you're up for it, I encourage you to talk to someone from a different generation as well. That would be interesting. Uh, and then we're going to come back after 10 minutes, and, and you can share a thought or reflection if you'd like. So... You guys are so responsive to that bell. It's really working. Amazing. Awesome. Um, so I uh, think Rod has the microphone, or Kim, one of you. Uh, so if you wanted to share a thought or reflection from anything of today or your conversations or your own, your own stuff that you've been thinking about and processing, we would love to hear from you. I, uh, we, yeah, we want this to be a, a community experience. That we often have said at CAF in the past, the sermon's not done until you've had a chance to respond. So uh, let's, let's do that. Um, if you'd like to share something, just put up your hand or stand up, and Rod's going to get some extra exercise today. Awesome. I wanted to, to let, um, in a way, God have the last word here. So we're going we're gonna to pray together out loud this, uh, this psalm that was guiding us today, Psalm uh, 146. So it's, it's uh, going to be on the screen, I believe, uh, as well as it's on your, on your newsletter, if that's easier for you. Praise the Lord. Let all that I am praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God with my dying breath. Don't put your confidence in powerful people. There is no help for you there. When they breathe their last, they return to the earth, and all their plans die with them. But joyful are those who have the God of Israel as their helper whose hope is in the Lord their God. He made heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He keeps every promise forever. He gives justice to the oppressed and food to the hungry. The Lord frees the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are weighed down. The Lord loves the godly. The Lord protects the foreigners among us.
cares for the orphans and widows, but he frustrates the plans of the wicked. The Lord will reign forever. He will be your God, O Jerusalem, throughout the generations. Praise the Lord. Great. Amen.